You're listening to the Pastor to Pastor podcast brought to you by the 6-4 Fellowship, pastors committed to prayer and the ministry of the word. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the biggest mistakes in starting a new prayer effort. Stay tuned for more. Welcome to the Pastor to Pastor podcast with Daniel Henderson. I'm your host, Robert Naughton. Today's question, Daniel, what is the biggest mistake I can make starting a prayer culture in my church? Thanks, Robert. The biggest mistake, wow, uh, there are so many mistakes I have made, and I think many of us make. Uh, We are earnest, we're sincere, we know it's right, we know the Lord wants it, but we are human and flawed, and our methods and approaches aren't always that helpful. And so a few mistakes, I don't know if any one of these is the biggest, but I think they'll be helpful. One of them, the mistakes, is, is to push prayer rather than to pray. In other words, to push prayer, as we often note, as a program to drive people to prayer, to guilt them to prayer, to coerce them to prayer, to harangue them to prayer. Again, we may be sincere, but our methodology is not drawing people's hearts it can actually create resistance, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But uh, to, to really just pray. Uh, again, I'd love to tell the story of Jim Cimbala, who one night we were sitting down, I was grousing about you know people not engaging our culture of prayer, not attending some of our prayer events. And he put his hand on mine. He said, Daniel, let me tell you something. You can't ought people to pray. Only the Holy Spirit can draw them. And uh, he said, if you would take all that energy you're wasting being frustrated about who's not coming and trying to push them to come, and you would then put that energy into praying that the Holy Spirit would draw them, two things would happen. Number one, the Holy Spirit will be more effective than you are. And number two, you'll be a lot easier to live with. So I think one of the biggest mistakes, just instinctively, because we're type A, we know it's right, we want to get her done, we want it to happen overnight, is to push our people into prayer rather than to praying them into prayer. Because we know the Holy Spirit wants this, and we need to be the first and foremost of all to be praying for the fruit of prayer by praying for our own people. I think the second mistake we talk about a lot is trying to program prayer rather than going for a culture of prayer. Uh, again, I often say we, we tend to create prayer activities which can then become an island unto themselves. They become siloed. And what you find out, it's the same small group of wonderful prayer-motivated saints who go to all the prayer activity, and the rest of the church hardly even knows it's going on and probably thinks it's weird. And so what we need to realize, we're not trying to create more prayer activity. Those can be helpful tools, but we're going for a culture of prayer. So that leads us to another common thing that I just remind our listeners about, and that is you've got to make prayer work first in your leadership before it's going to work in the congregation. There's an old adage, if you want to know the spiritual temperature of your church, stick the thermometer in the leader's mouths. Uh, And if you want your people to bleed, you have to hemorrhage. A big mistake is to try to organize prayer in the congregation, call church-wide prayer meetings, you know, do retreats, all those things. And again, those have their place. But to do those without having a core of praying leaders uh, is going to result in deep frustration and disconnect. 
because people aren't stupid. They're going to notice this might be your exciting thing of the month or of the year, or it may be your lifelong passion, but the rest of the leaders aren't buying in and the people will soon get the message. It's not really important after all. And so one mistake is to try to embed it in the congregation before you embed it in the leadership. That's not an easy process. And that's why it takes some learning and training and dialogue with your leadership team. I remember in my pastoral ministry, I inherited three churches that had elders who weren't elders. They were trustees. And I realized if we're going to have a praying church, we need biblical elders. And they were qualified as elders, but they weren't functioning as elders. So back in the day, uh, we read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. We read books on eldership. We read books on spiritual leadership versus corporate leadership. Everything we read was about the character, passion, and heart of leaders who are men of prayer and the ministry of the word uh, in various other capacities, women of prayer and the ministry of the word. Uh, I often wish I had just one book that would help me do that. And so I eventually wrote it. That was Old Paths, New Power. That's kind of the, the book I wish I would have had. But whatever resource you use, you've got to get your leadership core committed to a culture of prayer rather than just trying to coerce them to attend activities of prayer. And then, of course, the other mistake is to uh, have a short-term view versus a lifelong view. As we say all the time, it just takes time. And uh, I've often told the story in my training of how for almost 20 years in two different churches, I prayed with the men of our church on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. I did not pick that time. The men did. I was usually in a body bag at 6 a.m. And I remember year after year, Monday after Monday, going and praying. And it was a blessing, but it was labor. And my flesh did not feel like going. And uh, years into it, one morning I asked the Lord, how long do I have to keep doing this? You know, can I get a, reassigned as a cruise ship chaplain or something? And, and again, I don't hear voices, but the Lord said to me, well, Daniel, how long are you going to brush your teeth, comb your hair? Well, now it would be polish my head, but comb your hair, uh, take a shower, put on deodorant, get dressed, eat breakfast. How long are you going to do that? And as you know, my answer had to be, well, till the day I die. And the Lord convicted my heart. He said, well, if you have settled those perfunctory duties, you're not complaining, grousing, or whining about doing those. When are you going to stop whining about leading my people in prayer? When are you going to settle that this is who you are? This is what I've called you to do. My church is going to be a house of prayer. And the only way it's going to get there is if you lead it by your own example and your own sustained passion. And so I would say to you, Pastor, uh, pray your people into prayer rather than pushing them into prayer. Go for a culture rather than a program. Start with your leadership rather than the congregation and realize this is a lifelong reality and not just a short-term fix. The last thing I would say, a big mistake when you're starting new prayer is underestimating the counterattack of the devil. When you get serious about prayer, you pick a fight with the devil at a whole new level, and the enemy is not going to roll over and say, oh, well, they've started praying. I might as well give up. He's going to turn up the heat. So you have got to stay resolute. You've got to be armed with the armor of God. Uh, you can't back up. If you let your guard down, he'll sucker punch you. So you got to realize, I have just entered onto a battlefield that is going to be relentless and constant and lifelong, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And as I often talk about, the most subtle 
satanic attack on prayer efforts is what is I describe as the pride divide. And I write about it in one of the appendices of Old Paz New Power. The excited people who are interested in the prayer culture are not immune from pride. And before you know it, they can begin to look down their spiritual nose at the non-participants and resent those people. And the non-participants, they're not immune from pride. They can begin to dig in their heels and resist the call of the Holy Spirit. And, and really, they're resisting what God wants to do. So the devil creates, if you imagine this divide in the middle of what God wanted to do to unite, and he does it through the means of pride in our flesh. What do you do about it? You just call it out. You, you throw the covers back on the devil and you remind people the fruit of all that we're doing here must be humility and grace. And uh, if you're not interested in prayer, we want you to have the humility and grace to understand how much you need the Lord. And if you are interested in prayer, realize it's only by God's grace that you're even praying. And so may humility and grace and understanding and patience be the fruit of your prayers. So a lot of mistakes. I could go on and on. I've made a pile of them, scores and scores of them, but I hope this helps. So pray people into it rather than pushing them. Go for a culture rather than program. Start with your leadership rather than congregation. Realize this is lifelong, not short term and recognize that the enemy is going to counterattack with the pride divide and go for humility and grace in all that you do. Well, thank you, Daniel, and thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe to receive these on iTunes or at our website, 64fellowship.com. There you can also explore many other great resources on how to excel in prayer and the ministry of God's Word. You can also find out about our pastoral coaching opportunities with Daniel Henderson. If you have a question you'd like us to address, please email that to us at info at 64fellowship.com. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.